Hey, another great episode of Roundup is coming up next. If you like what you heard, please go online to redsearadio.org and donate, become a monthly sustaining member, and keep us on the air. Thank you and God bless. Welcome to Red Sea Roundup. Today we have a special edition Marian Feast Day of the Assumption of the Blessed Mother. And with that, we're going to start off with a prayer. I have joining me this morning, Miss Judy Como. Good morning. Good morning, Pam. Our audience is getting a twofer. How about that? Ah, two, two hosts for one, two for one today. And we have also in the studio Thaddeus and Dennis, which will be joining us in prayer. Judy, go ahead. Well, uh, we're going to ask our listeners to join us in prayer. Um, I'm going to read, because I don't know this prayer by heart. It uh, has been introduced to uh, Thaddeus and I over the last couple of weeks as we've been the prayers resurfaced at our 33 Days to Morning Glory Retreat that St. Anthony's has uh, just completed last night as of our consecration to the Blessed Mother. And the name of this prayer is the Subtuum Presidium. It dates back to the year 250. The name of the prayer means under your patronage. So we pray in the name of the the Father and the the Son and the Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. We fly to your patronage, O Holy Mother of God. Despise not our petitions in our necessities, but deliver us from all danger. O ever glorious and blessed Virgin Mary. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, thank it's you. It's the uh, oldest Marian prayer that exists. That's beautiful. That's amazing. So oh, I'm excited. Today is a feast day. I always just Mary. kind of, oh, I just kind of relish and roll around in the goodness that she is. But at, um, in the introduction, you kind of mentioned the work that's going on with the benefit. So I'm very excited. It is. Deacon Harold Burt Shivers. Right. And it's a very merry When you hear just a little clip on our uh, promotions of it, his fire and his energy and love of the Blessed Mother is just so evident in just that little clip. Uh, It's going to be a Marian rock star there. It's amazing. Yeah, that's Um, that's great. Complete um, Marian theme throughout the uh, benefit. Yes, uh, that's wonderful. And what are these guys doing? I don't know. They're they're just having fun over here (laughs) while we're sitting here doing the work. Yeah, no, really. Benefit dinner, sixth annual benefit dinner, October nineteenth. There you go. Thursday. Someone would know some facts about it. Six thirty to nine p.m. St. Thomas Aquinas Parish. St. Thomas Aquinas Parish. Thank you, St. Thomas Aquinas. Thank you, Father Albert. Thank you, Father Albert. That's right. We're really excited to be there. It's six days after the final, the centenary, the final apparition at Fatima. Mm. That's why we're dedicating it to Our Lady. That's why we're honoring Mary. It's beautiful. This year of Fatima. And we've got, as you said, Deacon Harold Brooks Sivers going to speak on the rosary. Mary, renewing the family. Do you know anything about his history? Like, I mean, I don't know. Like a, his a personal bio. history. Yeah, yeah. Where well, is he from? That kind of thing. Right now, we've got arrangements that uh, he's going to come on in October with our 
dynamic deacon Mike Beauvais yeah. for an interview on Red Sea Roundup the first Tuesday of October. So we'll, we'll be able to get a lot of his personal bio then. I don't have it. I couldn't tell you anything, you know, interesting or like where he lives. He lives in. He's a deacon in the diocese of Portland. Oh, okay. Well, that's so he's good. up in the northwest, the great northwest. But he yeah. travels all the time. Dennis Marka here. He also has a radio show on uh, KVB BVM Blessed Virgin Mary Radio there in Portland. So very cool. He has a weekly radio show. And howdy to Pat Ryan. I don't think he's listening right now, but he's there. There. Uh, Hopefully, he's still asleep. Yeah. No kidding. But yeah, they, they have a great radio show there and a great friendship. And Pat Ryan is from Waco, and many of you in our Waco listeners know Pat Ryan, who got his broadcasting start there on KCEN there in Waco. Oh, okay. So okay. yeah, little connection. Well, there's something else going on in that direction, right? In the West area. Well, there was. Right? Yes, yeah. uh, two days ago, we had the Feast Day Festival for Blessed Mary of the Assumption Catholic Church in West, and we had... There's a huge crowd there. It's a huge crowd. We did a great live broadcast, uh, myself and Stephanie Lee, the station director mm. there. We interviewed the mayor of West, uh, several school board members, uh, multiple people that came out and were just servants' hearts serving at the uh, the festival. And I was passing through the check stop yesterday coming home, and they were talking about y'all. Yeah, I don't think so. Okay, they weren't. <laughs> That's, just mess that's good, Bull. No, it, it was a great, great festival. And I was one thing that wasn't Bull is they actually, they believe they set a record for their to-go to line. They sold out of their food in the to-go to line. So wow. very efficient, very incredibly efficient festival and had a great auction, had great check music. Each of Almost each one of our guests had a Pivo in their hand. If you don't know what that is, check uh, Pivo is beer. Oh. And they were celebrating. It was great. So that's, um, that sounds like something we want to come back to each year. No, that's P- Pivo is Czech for beer. So oh, Pivo is Czech for beer. Yeah. Okay. I was like, is it's that a the brand? Czech language. So it's a Czech community, and it's a great Catholic awesome. Czech community there. And we're going to have another festival there in, at St. Jerome's on the 24th. We'll be at Aquinas Fest doing a live broadcast here in College Station soon. So how awesome. Can I ask a question? How come I miss the festival we go to that has beer at it? I never invited you. Uh, <laughs> Man. <laughs> Can't believe so, it. No. It was great. They had bingo. It was it was a lot of fun. So thank you to the West uh, community for welcoming us there. We're so happy. We gave around uh, probably hundreds of bumper magnets there. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, awesome. yeah to all awesome. our supporters there in West, we thank you very much. And we're very happy to support you. If your per- church has a parish festival and we can schedule it, we'd love to come out and do broadcasts there as well. So Look for us in the time to come at St. Jerome's in Waco on the 24th of September. I forget when Aquinas Fest is coming up here in College Station, but it's coming up soon, and they've yes. already invited us, so we're going to have a live day. broadcast there. So. Can I'll we, be out uh, there helping with you. Can we, hey, can we swing back to the uh, benefit dinner for a second down here? I will allow it. Thank you. <laughs> um, I just wanted to—I didn't get a chance to get out that that uh, right now we're, we're really asking um, people who have— purchased a table in the past. We're encouraging them to purchase again, and we're asking y'all to really think about purchasing a table at that next level, just giving a little bit more uh, than you you had before. We're obviously very grateful that you have purchased a table and that you can invite people to come to the benefit dinner and celebrate with you at your table. But if you would consider... uh, sponsoring a table at that next higher level. We really appreciate it. And there have already been 
a couple of people mm-hmm. who have who have done that, who have gone Indeed. to the next level. For Indeed, us. and we asked in honor of Our Lady and the centenary yeah. of the uh, the apparitions at Fatima, as well as in honor of the expansion that we've got going at Red Sea Catholic Radio. I mean, it's um, we've got potential for another couple of stations to add on board Amazing. in the next year. Um, so it's growing pretty quickly, and we're having to keep up with it. And with that, we have increased staff members. Thanks be to God, mm-hmm. and to help out with the, the ever-increasing load of where God is calling us. So, you know, and and just step up to the plate and help out in any way you can. we got a new transmitter that we're purchasing soon here in Waco. Uh, the old one died, and so we're asking those in Waco to step up as well, and they've been hearing some announcements there. So we're needing to raise $15,000, folks, and, um, you know, we're, we're maybe about 10% of the way there, 15% mm. of the way there. So we're asking people to step up in Waco and— give from their heart so we can buy that trend better. And yeah. again, we're we've if we don't tell you what we need, then you don't know and yeah. and you can't help. And so that's all we're doing. Thank yeah. you. And and those that have, are listening in Waco are going, but I'm hearing you now, so what's the problem? Well we're on a borrowed backup transmitter. That's not even full power. It's wow. not even yeah. So it's very noticeable around the community of West and South further in towards Temple, our signal drops off a lot sooner. And so mm. a lot of people aren't getting it right now, the, the Red Sea Catholic radio that normally do. We're hoping that's going to change here within the next month when they have that transmitter delivered. We can install that, but we're needing to, to raise the money to purchase it. So anything you can give, go to redsearadio.org now and click on that uh, transmitter picture on our, our homepage. Wonderful. And for sponsoring tables at the benefit or buying tickets, the benefit here in, in the Brazos Valley in October, Red Sea Catholic Red Sea Radio dot org slash donate and you can purchase your table or purchase your tickets. And we are extremely, extremely grateful and we look forward to having you there and to hear Deacon Harold and a lot of a lot of other things we've got planned for that night. It's gonna be a special special night special edition special edition benefit yeah just like this show is a special edition because it's a marian feast day and i'm reminded um also that i guess it was a little better than a year ago that we did a special 33 days of morning glory consecration of the radio station here in college station but i believe they've also done that out in in Waco. in Waco as well. Isn't that right, Dennis? We did. We had a 33-day preparation for consecration of the station. We had two priests come out and did our blessing. People in Palestine, look for that to come soon. I'm working awesome. with Deacon Marty there to schedule that date on a Marian feast day or around, and we will do our 33-day preparation on the air there as well as through the website. That's great. And let us know here, too, so we can join them in prayer and yes, during those 33 indeed. days also for the consecration of that one. That's very important. Thank you. Very awesome. So, wow. I really love the uh, podcast that we did, and I assume they will do that with the uh, Palestine Station. The, every day you'll hear uh, a podcast that coordinates with the day that you're reading and praying for your preparation. It's a uh, Gives you a sense of the bigger picture, the body of Christ, our Catholic faith, uh, universality of our Catholic faith. That's awesome. It's very, um, gives you that inner eye to see it. Well, with the, the we've got about little more than five minutes left, Judy, and I want us just to kind of take time to talk about our own personal Marian hearts, because I think when we share how, us, you know, especially with the like in my case, being a convert, that's a little bit different. But yeah. as a cradle Catholic, was it just something that was always 
um, there for you. Up, you know, there's I'm an Italian Catholic. That's a little bit different than <laughs> your average everyday <laughs> okay. Catholic. But um, I grew up um, in a family. My my parents and my brothers and sisters not necessarily a prayerful family. I mean, we said our blessing and my parents would ask us if we said our prayers when we went to bed. But my grandmother, my dad's mother was, um, had a Marian devotion that not necessarily spoken about, but which is the most dynamic way to evangelize is in your actions and your words. And I remember that she had a copy of the Memorari in, on the mirror in the bathroom and so just subliminally, I had mm. witnessed it. Um, she would invite us to pray the rosary with her. On Saturdays, it wasn't an invitation. It was, you're going to do it. <laughs> and other times when she wanted to play canasta, if we if we get retired of it, she would pull her rosary beads out. So we would say, okay, we'll play canasta. But I think that was just the seed work of my uh, devotion to Mary. And... Um, 19 years ago, I guess 20 years ago, when I was pregnant with my youngest daughter, she just turned 19 on the 10th. Um, I had about six weeks that I had to stay in bed. And um, I remember. (laughs) Yes. And there was a still is a large wall rosary that my mother had in the bedroom. And I would just lay there and look at that uh, rosary and kind of channel Mary and I guess I was doing my early pondering without mm-hmm. having the name of the pondering. And right. um, my daughter's name is Marion. Uh, through her devotion and the many Marys and Maries that are in my family. And beautiful. so that was just laying the groundwork uh, to be introduced to her in just a very dynamic way. That's beautiful. With the, the first time that I practiced the consecration of the Blessed Mother. Well, for me as, mm-hmm. as, a, as a convert, I think I... I was really in love with the Catholic faith and I knew Mary was really important and I didn't understand. So I went straight to Jesus and says, Jesus, I don't understand, but I want to, I want to know your mother. And it's been a slow progress over, I guess, 25 years really. Um, but it's, it, it blossoms and blooms. She's such a gentle mother and there are so many ways to consecrate yourself to her. And I'm really excited that the second half of the show, we're going to be talking to Father Brian McMaster all about his Marian heart and to discuss even further the feast day of, of the Assumption. But 33 Days to Morning Glory also has had a big role in, in my life to, to bring me closer as well as Totus Tuus, mm-hmm. Father Brian's, which is beautiful. And you'll hear more about that coming up soon. But it is just it starts with desire, you know, if you have that desire and and our gentle mother will will take you slowly along the way. Yeah, we I uh, <clears throat> was sharing with Pam that I have a Mary app on my phone and that I uh, was just perusing it a little more. And there's a timeline. So uh, in the year 33, when from the cross, Jesus gave us his mother um but even before that, her Marian intercession uh, at the wedding feast at Cana, at Jesus's first miracle, when she gave us the very best advice that we could ever have. Exactly. And just do what he says. Do whatever he just tells you. Just do whatever he tells you to do. It's a great advice, and um, hopefully we can keep that in the forefront. But uh, at every 
every Mass, we ask for her intercession at the Confidior. We were asking her to intercede for us. Mm, mm. At, uh, during the consecration, the spouse of the Holy Spirit, she's there wherever the Holy Spirit is. Mary is there working really hard for us. Well, with that, I think we're going to close up this section. Um, looking forward to, to seeing everybody on the other side of this break, talking with Father um, Brian McMaster on the feast day of the Assumption. are listening to Red Sea Roundup on KEDC, high atop the St. Mary Student Center. We also have, I know, Betty's don't laugh at me, and we are KYAR, correct? And what's the other call letter? You don't have a mic in front of you, Thaddeus. I got to get this down. We have to K-I-N-F. post. K-I-N-F. We need to post these 107. here. So we're really being broadcast. In Palestine. Th- in Palestine, as well as the Waco area. The holy land of Texas. Yeah. The heart of the Brazos Valley. Well, folks, joining me now is Father Brian McMaster. I am more thrilled than I can tell you to be able to have him sitting across the table for me today. Uh, as one person who really is consecrated to Mary, to another person who's taught me a lot about consecration to Mary. So welcome, Father. Thank you. It's great to be here with you. Thank oh, you. There's so much I want to say, and it's going to go by so quickly. <laughs> Usually does. So yeah. yeah, so just in my Good. innate curiosity, just just welcome home. Welcome back. Um, I, as an Aggie, think it's so uh-huh. wonderful for you being the first Aggie Catholic priest to come home to this and, and be the pastor here. And how has that sure. been for you so far? It's been like a just right a year, correct? It's uh, been a year, just about right now, yeah. a year since I've been here as pastor. And the first Aggie Catholic pastor, so we've had a lot of priests come through sure. that have been Aggies, but uh, the first to be pastor at St. Mary's. So that's really exciting to come back, where, especially for me, because I discerned priesthood here. I mean, right, right. if I hadn't been here as a student and received from the ministry, I don't think I would be here now giving the ministry. And so that, that's been the greatest blessing. So it's actually my... Th- I guess fourth time back because I was here as a student. Okay. Then I came back as an associate pastor. Remember that. And then I came back often as a vocation director. Yes. Because there's yes. so many vocations that come from uh, A&M and then now as pastor. Okay, so, so you went from vocations director to the Georgetown. I did for about 2 a years, two a little years. short little stint there as pastor. Okay. And then of course uh Father David became Bishop David, sent off to Oklahoma That's right. and uh so they called me to, to come back to Aggieland. And if I remember correctly, Georgetown was your first real pastoral assignment. Right. Yeah. It was. So it I was thought, there. well, they must trust him an awful lot if they're going to put him in charge of St. Mary's. So kudos for that. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Well, another thing that, um, tell me about the timeline, because I know um, today is the Feast of the Assumption, Great. which is the reason why I was like, oh, I got to have Father Brian on. Yeah. So I wanted to, to hear a little bit about, your Marian devotion. I Wonderful. really wanted to share your, your pastoral heart. Tell me about where in the timeline um, the book came in. Sure. And just, okay. I'm so fascinated. Yeah. Well, let's, you know, just, just addressing this day to day, the assumption. You know, it's, for me, it's always been a very special day. It's, it's a solemnity in the church. So it's with high celebration that we have for it. 
but also I think devotionally for us and just thinking of this time of the year, you know, everything is hot. Uh, we're, we, we slow down. Uh, one of my parishioners said, this is the time where we have the spirituality of the hammock, you know, <laughs> it, it's, it's supposed to slow us down a little bit. And, and yet just around the corner is the school year is the, the rapid pace of, of things picking up again, vacations ending, and we're beginning a new, uh, a new year, so to speak, at least in the academic world. So, you know, you think about all of that, and it's a good time to rededicate yourself and to refine yourself. And I, I've always found uh, myself turning to this feast day to day to do that. Um, and, you know, there's many days you can consecrate yourself to Jesus through Mary, but this has always been my favorite day. Mm because of where it falls in the year. And it just really kind of points you back towards giving your next year and all of your endeavors uh, to Jesus through the hands of Mary and through her heart. And so uh, so it's a great day today, uh, just to think of with great hope, Beautiful. Mary's presence beside us as she goes to her son. That's the assumption was what it means. Um, she wants to do that with all of us, to take us on a journey of faith to the, to the Lord. And uh, that's, that's what beautiful. that's about. That's beautiful. Okay, well... Yep. That's really cool. My favorite time is I do it during the Lenten season. Ah, yes. Oh, uh-huh. not Lenten, excuse me, Advent. Okay, Advent. Because yeah. uh, what is the feast day is on the 8th. I'm blanking right. on it right now. So the Immaculate Conception is yes, on the 8th. Yes, but to 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 go into it uh-huh. just contemplating her role in the Incarnation yes. Yes. right before Christmas just is yes. very powerful. So that's one of my favorite times. That's a good one, too. Okay, good so please, too. please, back up a little bit. Um <clears throat> And start to tell me when you started developing that relationship, because as Mm -hmm. a convert, I know that was something that I desired but didn't quite get. So it was kind of a slow progress for me. So what is it like for someone like yourself? Right. I had uh, my Marian devotion began while I was in high school. Mm. And uh, like like many of us, I grew up in a, a good Catholic household and was cradle Catholic. But I had to hit a certain point where I began to own my faith. You know, you just don't automatically uh, become intentional about it, maybe until you begin to really think about it, reflect upon it, and it becomes real. And for me, it had been my uh, freshman year of high school, and, and my family went to a neighboring parish in San Antonio that had just returned from a pilgrimage to various shrines in Europe where Mary had appeared in apparitions. And this floored me because I just really had never heard all of those stories. And uh, I, I was listening to people give their witnesses of how their lives were changed even from this trip and from this pilgrimage. And I, and I thought, wow. And you know how you maybe watch TV and you see like a televangelist like pray over somebody and they fall over. And right. like, I felt like that. You know, I mm. felt like boom, the surge of Holy Spirit uh, come upon me with the, with the deep conviction that God exists and he's real. Mm. And that he loves us in a, in a particular way also in allowing Mary at various points of history to come and to uh, enliven our faith and point us to Jesus, which is, of course, the real heart of Marian devotion. Exactly. It's to point us to her son. And that awakened me um, at that time as a, as a you know young kid. And I started to, uh, the next thing I asked myself is, well, if God is real, that means um, everything that he says and, his, and he promises are real, and it also means I have to change my life. And so I, I started to, to do some things to actively pursue God, uh, who now I knew was pursuing me. And so I started to kind of look to some of the messages of these apparitions. So, Father, would you say you're about 17 about this time? Probably probably about 16. 16? It's probably about 16 about the time. Yeah, 15, 16. I still have the rosary. I I came out of that, and I 
And I asked my mom, I said, can we start praying the rosary more often? And so we did. Started praying the rosary. And I still have the rosary that she gave me, I think, on my 16th birthday as a re- kind of a response to that. And uh, so it, uh, but then I kind of began to pray the rosary more regularly and, and in a special way to pray the rosary, not as just a said prayer, mm-hmm. but as a prayer of the heart, mm. as an encounter with Jesus through the heart and the eyes of Mary, um, to, to really go to the contemplative aspect of praying the rosary. And of course, it can be prayed in many different ways, and it can be prayed very powerfully in a group. It can be prayed powerfully uh, on a walk, but to also... Uh, when when one has the ability to to go slower and to to be quiet with the rosary to to richly receive uh, an intimacy through her with Jesus, um, and that's what I was attempting to do there, even in high school, kind of getting going. Okay, I got to tell you kind yeah. of a cute story good. about the my daily rosary, <laughs> and this is coined by Meredith Olson. You probably oh, know good, Meredith. Oh, good. Yes, uh-huh. but uh, we many of us were just wringing our hands that we weren't getting the good time of of sitting and, and yes. devoting all that time to Mary in the rosary that we so desire. And she goes, well, you know, um, we could just name her Our Lady the Bypass, as we say <laughs> in our cars, driving right. from Ryan to College right. Station all the time. And so, On six, yeah, that's right. Yep, so that's what we do Mar- many great. times. That's Our great. Lady the Bypass. That's right. Anyway. Our Lady the Highway. Uh, yeah. yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah, I guess right. there's extra protection in that, there too. Is, right? There is, there is. Okay, so that's when that really started. So you're <laughs> starting to say the rosary and that, that contemplation, exactly. that real... I like to call it romance because that resonates with me, whether we Christ right. romances us through right. the story of his life. Right. But, okay, so keep so, going. So that was kind of the beginning for me, and it, and it awakened me to be more involved in church. I got involved with the youth group, and then I come to A&M. My, my brothers had been here, and I just knew I was going to be an Aggie, but I didn't really have any connections with any friends here when I arrived. And so uh, I not long later found a home here at St. Mary's uh, here in College Station, which is the student center for uh, for Texas A and M, and uh, right away found a rosary prayer group, and mm. some students invited me to that, and that really helped me to connect right away. Um, I ended up beginning uh, another rosary prayer group called Mary's Aggies, and we would meet every Sunday night at first it was eleven p.m. and then we would we wow. as we got older we moved to ten p.m. <laughs> yeah. you know. Go to bed earlier, and uh, started. What we would do is focus on one of the mysteries of the rosary, kind of uh, reflect upon it. Somebody would give a little reflection, and then we would pray the rosary mm-hmm. before. The, and we'd sit right underneath the statue of the Blessed Virgin Mary there in the church, and uh, so that was very formative. I did that all all the years of uh, while I was here at A and M, and while here, you know, that was a big part of me also discerning priesthood uh, while I was a student. That's really awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Another thing that's been kind of a, an added bonus, I think, is knowing that a lot of your classmates from your Aggie days are still here in town. And they are. some of them are some of my friends. I didn't know the yes. connection until you came back in town. Yes. I was like, wow, you were classmates. Well, that's pretty awesome. The real interesting thing is one of the uh, one of the sons of my classmates who asked me to go pray the rosary, actually, mm. is, is here as a, a college student right now. So Wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Okay, so then you go into seminary. You you discern to go to seminary, right? Yes, went to seminary. Okay. And um, went in right after college, so did that, and then it was ordained six years later. So 2001, I was very blessed to be the very first priest to be ordained at St. Mary's. So actually in our church here, I was ordained. Really? Uh, exactly. No, I yeah. did not know that. Did you know that, Thaddeus? No. Yeah, there's no. been two ordinations here. Myself, I was the first one. 
And then two other Aggie priests later on, about three years later, uh, Father uh, Brian Eilers and Father mm-hmm. Patrick Ebner were also ordained here uh, three years after me. Wow. There's been a diaconate ordination as well but in there, but, uh, but I was the first Aggie priest to be ordained. So even when I walk in now as pastor and I walk over the floor, I see where I was prostrate before my ordination. And so that's very powerful to yeah. just to kind of be in that church. You know, I, I, I look at where I sat. I look at the statue of Mary where I prayed. I, I walk over where I was uh, ordained and I come back around and then I see the, the eyes and the, the hearts of our okay. students. So this was your first assignment as, a, as an associate pastor. It was that, actually the third. The third. The third. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was in Georgetown and then Buda, South Boston, and then, then here. This, then here. Mm-hmm. And when did you find place. time to write the book? Oh, the book, yeah. So that was while I was vocation director. Vocation director. And okay. so I had already come out of my, my stint as being the associate pastor here at St. Mary's. And one of the things that really struck me, so this is still during the pontificate of John Paul II, and a lot of people inspired by his life, knowing that he had been consecrated to Jesus through Mary and that he had done the, the consecration as is suggested by St. Louis de Montfort, a lot of students would come to the priest and would say, okay, I want to do this consecration, but I'm, as I'm going through it, it's kind of hard. You know, some of the, the language um, maybe was a, a little dated and they didn't quite understand how to, to receive from the consecration itself. They, they didn't want it to be just a mechanical saying of these prayers. They wanted it to be more of a, an encounter. So I can remember explaining it, giving it the cultural context of, of when it was written and how to receive more from it, praying it today. And thinking to myself, you know, somebody needs to <laughs> contemporize this a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, freshen it up, using John Paul II, because one of the gifts of, of St. John Paul II is his philosophy of personalism, mm-hmm. which also affects his theology. So it's, we know who we are by being in relationship. So I am more of a person in as much as what I am in a relationship with another. So take that to our, our devotion or to the consecration itself, and we are enriched in that praying of the consecration if it is a relationship whereby I'm, I am in a personal way encountering Mary, mm-hmm. and Mary is also giving to me and the consecration also. So I think that's that's what I really wanted to go at. And little did I know I would be that person right. later on to do that. And I was vocation director, and I was just at a point where I think I was looking for something just myself personally to, uh, to give of myself in a deeper way to Jesus and to Mary. Um, I was going all over the diocese, and I was talking about priesthood, and I was talking about... Um, you know, the call to holiness uh, for everyone's vocation. And it just made me realize, you know, I want to be able to do this in an even more intentional way. So on the feast day of Our Lady of Lourdes, February 11th, I was inspired to take the time to use my days off to begin to, to put this consecration together and to use John Paul II to do it. Wow. And so uh, that's, how it, that's how I got inspired to do it. And it took me a full year and I did it on my day off. I, I uh, would uh, also take time on my retreats and kind of give to that, uh, researching some of the writings of John Paul II, seeing how it could be plugged in, mm-hmm. and praying about how to make it a, uh, a contemplative in- encounter. So, uh, so that was kind of how the, the book that I, that I put right. together, uh, Totus Tuus, which was from the motto of and John what, Paul II. And what year was that published? 
Would you maybe put you hit spot? my memory yeah. here? Okay, that would have been probably 2012 around there. Okay, so yeah, it's 2012. Fairly recent. Mm -hmm. Have you heard about the Manual of Marian Consecration that just came out last year by the Benedictine Sisters? Yes. Uh huh. Did you know you're yes. in it? Oh, okay. I did not know that. <laughs> I saw the book. I thought it was beautiful. Wow. And it goes through like a, a the a consecration, and mm -hmm. it said Father Gately and Father Brian McMaster right, have written. Right. Um, com companion pieces yes. to consecration to Mary. So I was like, "Hey, I know him." That's but great. That's wow. really cool. It's in the Mary cool. um, Manual of Marian Devotion. It's like a beautiful blue leather book. I mean, it came okay. out just last year in sixteen. So very cool. So okay, so that's how the book came to be. And do you find that that's been a little that's been helpful um, to really be able to teach more about her? Definitely. And what would you say are some of the main components like? That were just those, those hidden gems about the Blessed Mother that until you start to really dive into the devotion um, and adoring her and letting her adore you, right. um, what is what is that moment like? Uh, I think I, I think one of the greatest gifts is when we when we go to Jesus through Mary and we do it in such a way that it's a companionship, an accompaniment. There is a a a depth of the relationship. I'm not um, doing this to merit anything. It's I'm with Mary and she's with me in my weaknesses, in my triumphs. And because of who she is and her yes, her purity, because of her virtue, because of her perfect offering and prayer to God at all times, it enriches all that I am. Um, and I just have to trust and mm -hmm. remain with her and, and, and go to Jesus with her. And it expands my prayer, expands my heart mm -hmm. when I'm with her. And, you know, I think that's, that's the Marian grace. The Marian grace is a receptivity to the Holy Spirit, a receptivity to the gift of God. And she helps us to be more open to the fundamental truth that God loves us and who he is. He is love. And to say yes to the to the love of Jesus, her son. So I think that's that's the gift, and it helps me now as a priest because I'm, I feel like I'm at the most incredible church in the world at St. Mary's, and there is, there there's a lot that we're doing. There's a lot with campus ministry. We've got building projects and all these things that could be seen as wow, that's a lot to to oversee. It's a lot to do, and yet I feel as though uh, difficult things are made easy when it's the Holy Spirit that does it. And that there's a Marian grace that helps us say yes mm -hmm. to the Holy Spirit and to the plan of God. Um, so I think consecration opens the door for us to experience that. Right. Some, mm -hmm. some of the real gems that have really touched me through Marian consecration are really about um, to ask for the graces that have gone unappreciated or unasked for or mm -hmm. refused. And that's so beautiful Good. to me because I do feel like she's there saying, oh, my children, I love you. As a, being a mother myself, just knowing how much your mother, if, yes. if my human heart, mother heart can be that way, how right. much more beautiful and perfect it's is hers, hers yes. to give us these graces we need. So I find myself really going to her and asking for those graces I need to, yes. to get the Holy Spirit to be showered on us all, all of yes. us every day. All the time. And there's always more. Yeah. And uh, it's just so unfathomable. Yeah, you know the beautiful, the beautiful image of the miraculous medal, which mm. was uh, Mary's apparition in Paris in 1830, and and in that she has rays of light that come forth from her hands. She's kind of depicted there as Our Lady of Grace, 
and her hands are kind of outstretched towards us, and there's rays of light, but not from all of her fingers. So there's like, it's missing from two of her fingers. And Mm. when asked by St. Catherine, well, why? And she said, well, that's because those are graces that people aren't asking for. Right. And to know there's always more, there's always more that she wants to give. Right. That's so beautiful. And I found that from um, just more devotion to the Blessed Mother, I really developed a, a devotion to the the Sacred Immaculate Heart as well. Yes. It just uh, really kind of blossomed into yes. that um, as because his heart is what she adores so much, too, his beautiful heart. Right. So I thought that was a natural kind of a natural flow for me anyway. But mm-hmm. I noticed mm-hmm. I heard you the other day in mass talk about the Sacred Heart. Oh, so. yes. Yeah. Sacred Heart's very dear to me as well. Mm. And uh yeah, I, I consider that the, the kind of the very heart of who I am as a priest, mm-hmm. um, the sacred heart. There's a saying of St. John Vianney that says the, the priesthood is the love of the heart of Jesus. Um, I'm also in a uh, priest fraternity group called Cor Jesu, which in Latin is heart of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so it's to, to seek to live even my identity as a priest from that imagery from the sacred heart and everything that's said there. So... Yeah, Mary helps us to to know that heart. So, well, yeah. you know, we couldn't go on and do this entire show without out talking about it being the um, anniversary of Fatima. Oh yes, oh what my are we right goodness, here? Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. So, um, I'm. I, I think there's going to be some fun things going on in the community too to to wrap up the year. Is it October 13th? I believe Correct. was the last October 13th. Mm-hmm. Right. I um I was really one thing I didn't know. So I want to put it out to listeners, and maybe you can talk on a little bit mm-hmm. too. Then was the miracle of the sun. That's correct. Right. I, that was something until this anniversary I didn't know about the miracle of the sun. So could you talk about that for just a second? You know, one of the, one of the interesting things about that is with many different apparitions, they're they're historic. You know, they go back. Um, and Fatima is one of the first that arrived in somewhat modern times where even news media existed. And there are, there are articles even about this miracle of the sun and those who witnessed it, just the countless people that did. Um, so on that, that finale of the, uh, of the apparitions of, of Fatima, that the, the, the miracle of the sun in the sky um, that really confirmed um, her apparitions and her appearances there. Yeah, I was just really fascinated that mm-hmm. the I, the first with the the accounts of it were saying that the sun really did dance in the sky. Correct. For most all of the, you know, that was a true miracle. He was really trying to get our attention. They were yes. trying to get our attention back then. And yes. and, and can you recall? I'm gonna put you on the spot a little bit. Sure, but yeah. Recall some of those messages she was trying to get out in 1917. Mm-hmm. What were some of those messages? Mm-hmm. You know, I, uh, with with all of the apparitions, there's a usually a a focus on prayer, and this is no no different also with Fatima as well. So directing us to prayer, and Mary was especially drawing us to the rosary, as well as the devotion of the scapular. Mm. Um, she was asking us to pray specifically also for the conversion of Russia. Now that this is an interesting thing because this is the time of the world where the Soviet Union didn't even exist yet, um, so it's before World War II, um, so they weren't necessarily uh, enemies at this point. You know, so Mary is getting ahead of history. You know, she kind of sees right. what is coming, and uh, and asks us to pray for that as well. Um, she wants the consecration of the world to her Immaculate Heart, uh, so that there may be peace. And John Paul II uh, fulfilled that request while he was Pope, um, which is another neat tie-in. 
I know this is probably, probably getting off of your, no, your question. But, no, no, please do, because it's a beautiful tie-in. So there were secrets also with Fatima, mm-hmm. and uh, now those have been disclosed. They were disclosed uh, around the year 2000, and uh, the interpretation of these is that John Paul II is referred to in there as a, a pope whose life would be, they would try to assassinate. And so um, even if you recall, when John Paul II was um, shot, it was on the feast day of Our Lady of Fatima. It was May 13th. Wow. And then a year later on her feast, he went to Fatima with the bullet and put the bullet in her crown. Amazing. What? <laughs> no, right? So, because <laughs> it, 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 it really dodged vital organs right. in, his, in his body. And he believes, he, he said, her fingers moved the bullet, you know, and 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 so he would he went to Fatima and put that in the crown on the very what is a very famous statue there in Fatima that you still see as the primary depiction. Have you been there? You know, it's the one Marian apparition place I haven't been to. <gasps> I know I've got to go. Oh, I hear a pilgrimage in your future. Uh, exactly, <laughs> I need to go over there. Yeah, I hear a pilgrimage. So I've been there about every other one, but I haven't been to Fatima. So, uh, yeah. Yes, and it's it on, fit it's on my perfectly. That was the thing that was so yeah. amazing to me. And again, I did not know this this uh, story until this right. year with the anniversary. But that actually, right. as if there was a place that was made for the bullet, was yeah. just a perfect fit in her crown. The crown. So that's just mm-hmm. that's amazingly beautiful. It's to also me. Um, you probably both know about this too, but the name of the place Fatima is named after the daughter of oh. a Moorish right. king. Yeah, the, a, the Muslims who Muslim occupy, right. occupied wow. the Iberian Peninsula. Right. That's right. And, you know, Islam has a very high regard for Mary, even though they right. do not understand her That's right. her place correctly. They Completely correctly, they still have a very high regard for, for her. So there's this interesting mm-hmm. connection there yes. to f- the centenary of, the, of Fatima and Especially the, today. the role of... Right of Islam in the world and its conflict with the West. Mm-hmm. Very that's, well said. That's mm-hmm. beautiful. You know, the, the only other one thing I want to tie in about the assumption is, I think it's really beautiful, is the Dormition. I mean, a lot uh, of people yes. don't understand yes. quite about that. So can you kind of elaborate on that right. a little bit? So Dormition means sleep or being laid to rest. And so, you know, in the eastern part of the church, uh, some of the earliest writings speak of the falling asleep of Mary, that uh, that her her death was somewhat different than ours. It was kind of just a, a restful kind of falling into sleep. She, being immacul- immaculately conceived, theologically, she does not have to necessarily undergo some of the effects of original sin that we experience. So this was a, this was a theology prevalent in the East, to especially express uh, Mary's uh, separation of some of some of those effects of original sin. Um, so there's no real doctrinal statement on you know did she die or not, um, but there's there's the, there is the sense we do know that she was then ascended or assumed um, body and soul into heaven, and uh, so that's what the Dormition is. It's Kind of right. from the tradition of the East, and mm-hmm. where is there a church of the Dormition somewhere mm-hmm. over there? I believe we... in Turkey. Isn't it in Ephesus? Ephesus, yeah, Ephesus. Turkey. Because there's the house in Ephesus that's called that's right. Mary's house, Mary's and there's house. some dis- not dispute, right. but difference of opinion about did she ascend from right. Ephesus or did she ascend from Jerusalem? 
Yes. Right? Because she was with John the Apostle from the cross, right? So it was believed that she went with him, and that that was where she was at the time, was Ephesus, which is a now modern-day Turkey. Mm-hmm. Now, do we know any kind of basic reference between the, the death of Christ and the Dormition about how many years she, she still remained on earth until then? Any, any clues? Any, any I don't these, have any clues. This brain bank over here that I'm, I'm sitting across the table from. I'm not aware of the amount no, of years. I'd I have wonder. to go study up on that. Right. Yeah, that'd yeah. be interesting, especially yeah. on this beautiful feast day of the Assumption. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. And so here you are, you found your way back to, here we are. to Bryan College Station yep. and Spreading the goodwill of Aggieland everywhere you yes. go. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't just take just a second sure. to let you go ahead and, and talk a little bit about the Student Center and Great. what's going on with uh, all the goings on. Because we're really excited about the new church, too, Oh, Father. yes. Yeah. So excited. I think we're at a historic time in, f- for many reasons. Let's say for spiritual reasons as well as the physical reasons, too. Uh, you know, as, St. Mary's is uh, the, the campus ministry for Texas A&M University. Uh, we believe that we are the largest Catholic university in the world <laughs> <laughs> by, by numbers, uh, just the magnitude of the size that Texas A&M has grown to, to being a very large um, uh, school institution. It's now, I believe, around 67,000. That's what they're clocking in at for this next year. And that puts it at one of the largest universities in the country. The uh, so you just work the percentages and that gives us a very large amount of students, Catholic students as right, well. So, right. um, so it's historic for us. You just look around and there's just the volume and the density of students that are around here. Um, so St. Mary's, I think you know there's some just some unique things that are going on here. It's it's through the history of um, the pastors that have been here in the past that have really in, inscribed a type of ministry that forms our students to be leaders, mm. and that's why we've adapted. Our motto, which is to form apostles for the church and the world, that's our mission. Is uh, The apostles Beautiful. were sent forth into every part of the world, and that's what we want to do mm-hmm. here at Angieland, is to send them out. So we do that through helping them to be sacramentally strong. Um, we you know, Unending lines to confession, which is a good problem. Um, great attendance at daily Mass. Uh, oh, wait, wait, I got to stop you there. Uh, I mean, yeah. just, just great attendance, no. When I when yeah. I tell, yeah. I love to, to shock new priests who, who yeah. um, I said, no, literally we can have upwards of 200 to 250 mostly students attending daily mass right. and that's people right. just almost fall out of their chairs right. that that's going on. It's a special place. Special place, right. Wow. Yeah. And they all gone before us too. So there was a. Has there been special blessings on this land too, Father? Can you tell me you know, just this area? Like I'm sure it was just by um, means of having a church here, you're mm-hmm. going to have a special blessing and so forth. But I really feel there's some grace there that's just a little more powerful than I would have imagined otherwise. Do you know anything about that? Maybe. Well, I know that um, you know this. It, it, the tradition was way back, you know. Uh, as the as the university was founded, that students had to walk to St. Joseph's wow. all the way to Bryan. And so there is a, a history of tremendous depth of faith, to, of, of pilgrimage faith, mm. to say, I my faith is important for enough for me that I will walk across the city <laughs> from the from the station here in the university over to to Bryan to mm. to go to uh, to go to mass. And that, that's the first, you know, the beginnings of faith here. And then uh, Monsignor Gleisner was the one who then started uh, coming here, and then they erected the first chapel. 
which was on the property where the current Shell station is on the corner mm. of University Drive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so somewhere, I guess we made the mistake of selling that property. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we have a lot, of, a lot of property behind it. And mm-hmm. then through the good, wise leadership of a lot of pastors of the past have acquired adjacent property to us, um, which is where we now hope to put some of our future buildings. So we're hoping for some ground being broken here in the coming yes. months. Yes. So we're very excited on September the 8th, which is, I'll test you, what is that? Oh, goodness. Feast day of? It's one of the Marian feast days. Yeah. It's related to the Immaculate Conception, which is December 8th. So count nine months and that would make oh. what? The birthday of Mary. The per- oh, ah. of course. One of my best friends. Sorry, Megan's going to get me on Here we that go. one. That's Catholic her trivia. birthday. It's no. exciting. So September yes. 8th is the birthday of Mary. We're going to dedicate the St. John Paul II extension mm. of our Catholic mm. Student Center. So we're really excited about that. That's going to give us more meeting spaces for students. It's, it's going to help us kind of refurbish the front of our, uh, our student center, kind of in a coffee shop feel, which our students are excited about. I just and, uh, so, we're, so that's all exciting, and that's going to be built over the next year. And in the meantime, we're in the campaign to build a new church. And, yeah, uh, I hear we, you're, you're coming yeah. to St. Thomas Aquinas next week. I am. Yeah, I hear that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, actually, yeah. actually, You already did that. We just finished yes. Thomas Aquinas, <laughs> and we're getting ready to go to, um, to St. Joseph's. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. So that's the one that's coming up. But that's yeah, it's, it's very beautiful just to see the, the warmth and support of the neighboring parishes of St. Mary's, of how supportive they are of that mission that we have, and being very gracious to accept myself and Father Ryan to be able to come and talk about what's going on at St. Mary's on their during their Sunday liturgies. So, Well, I mean, I'm going to step out a little bit and say, being in this community for as long as I have, that we really feel um, as being one church. Absolutely. Yes, it's, yes, it's just yes. we have a very special thing going on in this community where you can see any one of us anytime at any of the churches well, throughout right. the that's community right. because we are just one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Exactly. It's beautiful. Um, I want to kind of add just to our listeners um, – we hope that today's inspired you in some way to even pursue a little bit more to to consecrate yourself or just explore which consecration uh, you may want to look into and explore her to become closer to the Blessed Mother through Father Brian's book, Totus to Us, through Louis de Montfort's, mm-hmm. and then there's also um, Father Gately's 33, 33 Days to days. Morning Glory, right? all of which are just so beautiful. So yes. I hope if today's show has touched your heart, you'll you'll think about growing closer to her. And with that, Father, I would love for you on this very special feast day, Mm -hmm. give a blessing to all of our listeners and us as well to close the show today. Beautiful. So I just invite everyone to just be aware in their heart, Mary's loving gaze upon them with a heart open, perhaps at the the top, right? Because Mary is assuming today to Jesus and that uh, Mary's gaze is into your heart. So Lord God and Father, Creator of all, we thank you for your beautiful daughter, Mary, whom you now receive in the Assumption, and she becomes our mother, the mother of the church. She becomes for us an intercessor. She becomes for us the queen of heaven and earth. And so we pray over all of your children, gracious Father, to bestow upon them a blessing through the intercession of Mary, that their hearts may receive the gifts of faith, hope, and love. And we ask God's blessing, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. 
Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Pam. Bless you. Until next time, go and love your neighbor.